Hey everyone, this is Pat with the Cast Right Catholic Podcast. Happy New Year. I'm sorry it has been so long since I've posted a podcast. I think it's been maybe three months now. Um, there's a number of reasons why I need to take a step back for a little bit. Um, the primary one, to be perfectly honest, is I just wanted to make sure that I had something to say. The last couple podcasts really were important to me and things that I felt called to say, I deeply desired to say, and were really meaningful to me. So I didn't want to go from those to just rambling about random things for the sake of keeping the ball rolling. Um, I thought the new year was a great time to restart. And to be perfectly honest, the uh, reflecting on the new year celebration really inspired me. (laughs) Um, So the new year's celebration, New Year's Eve, it's all about staying awake right? It's stay awake until midnight to watch the ball drop and and ring in a new year. We might do other things, New Year's Eve. We might have some appetizers, drinks, whatever it is, and then a ham on New Year's Day and watch college football. But the event itself, New Year's Eve itself, is all about staying awake, which I loved as a kid to stay up late like any kid does and eat ice cream and have snacks and play games and make it to midnight. And I never understood as a kid why my parents would say, oh, I don't know if I can make it to midnight. I'm going to be so tired. Is it really worth it? Um, but I, you know, now as I have two kids, obviously it makes a lot of sense to me. And I, um, I didn't make it to midnight this year. Val and I didn't even try. We went to bed at 10 o'clock. But still just kind of reflecting on that, that the whole purpose, the whole mission is to stay awake, to be there until the new year occurs until the new year happens that um, to herald in this new time and um, with with all of its potential with all of its hopes and dreams and desires and the reason this struck me so deeply is because wakefulness is such an important concept in the Christian life so in the Psalms the psalmist says more than watchmen wait for the morning does my soul wait for the Lord Um, In Peter's first epistle, he says, be alert and of sober mind. And then Paul in Ephesians says, awake, O sleeper, arise, and Christ will shine on you. And so there's this theme of of being awake, of wakefulness. And so I wanted to take some time to just reflect on what spiritual wakefulness and what spiritual sleeping are. In this podcast, I'm going to do that. And then after we kind of have some general reflections on it, I want to talk about a specific gospel passage that I think really helps to elucidate some of the stuff we're going to talk about. And that's the story of um, Peter with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane during Jesus' agony in the garden. So what is spiritual sleeping? Well, spiritual sleeping is characterized by inwardness, being completely self-contained and therefore closed off to the rest of the world, closed off to our neighbor and closed off to God. If you think about sleeping, when we're asleep, we're totally retreated inside ourselves. The rest of the world is happening around us, but we're completely locked within our own universe of being. We're, we're within our own minds, our own person. We're, we're closed off. And obviously in the spiritual sense, it's not about being physically asleep. You know, our eyes could be wide open. We could see everything happening. And yet our heart 
is closed. And we don't actually have true contact with the meaning of life, with the meaning of the events of our life. We don't have true contact with the depths of our neighbor and with the depths of God. And so while we might be awake physically, our heart is asleep and we're closed off. Our interior life is completely closed off from God and from neighbor. And there's so many ways that we can do this. There's so many ways it's possible to do this. To just name a couple, sometimes we are listening to people and we are, they're, they're trying to communicate something, but the words they use or the way they choose to communicate it rubs us the wrong way. We don't like the language they use. We don't like the example they used. We didn't like the tone that they used. We didn't like the way they said it. And so we're so frustrated or annoyed or put off by the way they try to communicate that we fail to have contact with the true essence of what it was they wanted to communicate. Instead of trying to seek understanding of their own inner experience that led them to communicate this, we're put off by the way the way they communicated affects us. It rubbed us the wrong way. And now we're just not listening. We're closed off to them because the way that they were communicating didn't resonate with us, right? That's one way we can be closed to our neighbor. We're, our heart is asleep. We just, we experienced them and we didn't like the way they did it. We didn't like the way they said it. Another way we can do this is we could be to follow a similar example, we could be listening to someone and we really, really want to be a good listener. We want to be known as a good listener. We want people to experience us as a good listener. And so we're sitting there listening to someone and in the back of our heads, we're thinking, I hope I'm doing a good job listening. I hope I'm really listening to this person well. I hope this person knows that I'm listening well. I hope they're experiencing me as listening well. And we kind of are a spectator of ourselves. We're watching ourselves listening to them instead of actually listening to them. And we leave that experience saying, really hope that they felt listened to. And yet we didn't actually listen to them. We didn't actually try to understand what they were communicating because we were so focused on ourselves and our desire to be experienced or seen as a good listener. And we can do that in a lot of different ways too. But that's another way we're locked inside ourselves. We're closed. We're self-contained. We're not really open to the other. We're not really trying to seek and understand their own inner experiences, their own inner thought processes. We're not focused on their gift of self that they want to communicate to us. And therefore, we're not allowing ourselves to be changed by what they're saying, to be impacted and affected by what they're saying, by empathizing and communing with their hearts. We're closed off. We're self-contained. We're inward, completely inward. We're spiritually asleep. We could give even more examples along similar lines. Someone's trying to communicate something, and instead of allowing them to share something completely original, we try to pigeonhole whatever they're saying into a category of things that we have already experienced or that we understand. So someone's trying to communicate something and we go, oh, I know what you mean. It's like this. But we're not really listening. 
We're not really absorbing what it is they want to communicate. We're just trying to filter it into something that we understand. We're not letting it shatter and break open the way we see the world and the way we see ourselves and see others. We're not prepared to be changed by our neighbor or God. And that's really what this spiritual sleeping in closeness amounts to, is we are unprepared to be changed by the other, by their own inner experiences, by their own heart. And we do the exact same thing with God. We can do this as devout Christian disciples, as people who are steadfastly trying to live the Christian life, waking up every day to try to read scripture, um, going to mass every Sunday, maybe even more often, going visiting the sacraments. We can be doing all of these things and yet be spiritually asleep, closed off, even as a devout Christian disciple. And we sit there and we're wrestling with, you know, what does God want for my life? What is, what is it that I need to do next? Where is he going? And we're constantly wrestling with this, but we're always doing it as a monologue, an interior monologue where we're self-contained. We have an idea in our own heads and in our own hearts of what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to be like to be a Christian disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We have our own dream for our life and we try to impose it on God or we try to receive it as if it's from God. But meanwhile, we're closed to him. Example of how we can do this is maybe we don't like our job. And so we're at our job and we're constantly wrestling like, God, I hate my job. What is it that you actually want me to do? What's the next thing that you want me to do? I know this isn't it. And we're constantly doing that, that we fail to have contact with what's actually happening at the job we are working. Perhaps there's a conversation with a coworker or a boss or even an assignment in which we're meant to have an encounter with God's preparation for the rest of our lives. And we miss it because we're so locked inside ourselves that we're in this place and God has got us here. He's set us here. We're in this place, but we're so focused on how to get out of that place that we miss what he's doing right there. That we miss him in the concrete present moment as he in this moment right now is saving our soul, is saving us, is leading us to the Father. We are spiritually asleep. Our heart is closed. It's self-contained. It's just talking to itself. It's not open to God's transforming love in that given moment, which means for this present moment, when we're spiritually asleep, we don't have contact with the true meaning intended for this moment. What God intended and what this moment actually means eludes us because we're wrapped inside ourselves. We're locked inside ourselves. So conversely, spiritual wakefulness, which is an essential component of authentic and genuine Christian conversion, is openness. It's openness, right? And I don't mean openness as in, you know, open sails that are being, that are will, willing to be taken any which way. You know, we have roots. We're grounded in the truth as it has been revealed to our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. We're rooted there. And yet we're open to his movement. We're willing to be changed and transformed in the way we think, in the way we see, in the way we act. 
by the inner experiences of our neighbor and by the heart of God that we come into contact with through prayer. That's the essence of Christian wakefulness, is that openness as we're listening to our neighbor with a heart that's awake. We're willing to go beyond the particular language that they're using to try to seek the inner occurrences, the inner happenings, the inner experiences and workings of their heart and their mind to truly understand them, to really know them. And even though the way they said something doesn't fit our preferences or isn't how we would say it or how we want it to be said, the point isn't that the way they said it rubbed us the wrong way, but we're going beyond that and we're trying to seek the person. We're open to their heart. We're trying to seek communion with their heart through our hearts that are awake. In the same way with God, we're willing to let our understanding of our life, of our current situation, of our direction, of our life plans, of whatever it is, to be shattered and broken open by God in prayer. We're, we're trying to seek him in this present moment and we're willing to let our own expectations and understandings be shattered and expanded. We're open, we're awake, we're alert to what God is doing. I'm not suggesting that these ways of talking about spiritual sleeping and spiritual wakefulness are the only way of talking, of having this conversation. But these are the points that I think I really want to focus on in my own life, that I want to stay awake by allowing my heart to be truly open to my neighbor and allowing my heart to be truly open to God so that I am not constantly locked inside myself, spiritually asleep, totally inward and closed off from the true transformative encounters and experiences that the Lord wants me to have in order to become who he calls me to be. So I think a, a passage, a gospel passage that actually really helps elucidate these concepts is St. Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. So just after the Last Supper, Jesus takes his apostles to the Mount of Olives, and then he says, Peter, James, John, you three come with me. And he goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he is, as he goes off to pray, he says, sit here and, and watch. Sit here while I pray. Watch while I pray. Watch and pray. Right? And then we know Peter and James and John fall asleep. And Jesus comes back. He says, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And he tells him again, watch and pray. And then he falls asleep again and he comes back. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. And so... What I suggest is that Peter's physical sleep here is actually a, an allegory or a metaphor for a much deeper spiritual sleeping that was, act, that was occurring in his life as well at the same time. That his heart was asleep. He was spiritually sleeping. You probably remember this too, but Jesus at the Last Supper had said, the shepherd's going to be struck and everyone's going to scatter. Right? I'm the son of man is going to be killed and you all are going to run away from me. Is basically what he's saying, right? And then Peter says, no way, not a chance. I will, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. 
right? Peter says, even if everyone falls away, I'm not falling away. And Jesus says, yes, you will. Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter, again, emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And everyone else said the same, but led by Peter's gusto, right? So here's the truth. Peter was willing to die with Jesus that night. He was absolutely willing to die with Jesus that night. When Jesus, after he finishes praying in the garden, the officers and the guards come to arrest him and Peter unsheathes his sword and is ready to go to the mat with Jesus. He's ready to fight for him. He's ready to die with him that night. But the problem is, is he missed his lesson in the way that Jesus was going to die that night. He missed his lesson in the Garden of Gethsemane because now Jesus is going willingly. In fact, Jesus says, I'm here and hands himself over. He tells them to put the swords away. Peter missed his lesson in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus wanted him to watch. And if he had watched and prayed, if he'd been awake and observed Jesus in the garden, if he had taken Mary's posture, right? Mary ponders in her heart all these grand new occurrences that shift her life plans, that shatter her expectations of what is going to happen in her life and in the world. She ponders them in her heart and lets the movements and developments of Christ's life change her deeply. If Peter had pondered in his heart, watching Jesus suffer and pray in the garden and agonize over the will of the Father, then he would have seen and begun to learn that Jesus was not preparing for a fight, but for a sacrifice. Peter's heart might have been prepared to become a sacrifice with him. But because he was asleep, he missed the lesson. He didn't see this. And then when Jesus is arrested, it is deeply unsettling. It is deeply disturbing because of its stark contrast with the expectations and the plans that he had developed in his, in his heart and in his mind. See, Peter's sleeping. What he's really doing in that spiritual sleeping is he's saying, I've got to be the rock. I've got to be the rock. Jesus says, I'm going to fall away. I'm not going to fall away. Stay, be the rock, be the rock, be the rock, Peter. You got to be the rock. He's telling himself this over and over and over again because he so desperately wants to be that. Ever since at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus says, or Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds, and you are Petros, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He wanted to be that rock. But he's so locked inside himself and focused on his own understanding of what it means to be the rock that he fails to realize that being the rock and becoming the rock is to become a suffering servant that willingly surrenders its life, his life, to the Father's will. He needed to see this. That's why Jesus says, when he comes back and finds Peter asleep, your spirit indeed is willing. I know you're willing to die with me, but your flesh is weak because your flesh, because your heart is asleep. The flesh is weak because the heart is asleep. The spirit's willing. I know you want to, Peter. I know you want to, but you need to learn what this actually means. And the only thing that's going to shatter this 
is when Peter, who perplexed, follows Jesus at a distance as Jesus is taken away and arrested and beaten. And then he actually does deny him the three times and he falls to the ground and comes face to face with Christ. As Peter hits rock bottom, as he falls to the ground, he encounters the face of Jesus and sees within the face of Christ the truth that was going to be revealed to him at, in the garden of Gethsemane, during the agony in the garden. That what's written on Christ's face is the truth that Jesus wanted to prepare him to receive in the garden. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not misunderstand who I am and who you are. Watch and pray that you would be willing to let your own expectations that you've generated within yourself, your own understanding of your life plan and your life trajectory to be shattered, broken open, and expanded by my salvific action here and now. Watch and pray because you don't know the future, but in this present moment are the seeds of grace that prepare you for the growth of a new life, for the sanctification of your soul that's going to happen in the future. Watch and pray right now so that your heart can be transformed right now. So that you can actually see the truth about who I am, that you can learn something new about me that I've prepared for you to learn in this moment. He brought Peter specifically into the garden with him that night because he wanted Peter to watch him. He wanted Peter to see so that Peter could learn the truth about himself and the truth about Christ, and the truth about Christ's salvific plan and salvific action, his redemptive work. So we too have to stay awake. We have to have that complete openness of our hearts to our neighbor and to God so that we can experience God's heart the way that Jesus wanted Peter to experience his heart in the garden that night that Peter was invited to have a front row seat for the unraveling of salvation history, and so are we. Every day, we're invited to have a front row seat to the unraveling of salvation history in our own interior and also in the world around us, in God's total redemptive plan. We have a front row seat, but we have to be awake and alert and willing to be changed, prepared to be completely changed, prepared for the unexpected, which grows out of God's surprising grace. Out of, you know, we think as, as Peter is told earlier in the gospel, you think as human beings do, you need to think as God does. And you know when, when Jesus said that? When Peter rebuked Jesus, because Jesus said he was going to go die. And Peter rebukes him and he says, Peter, you're not thinking as God does. You're thinking as man does. You don't yet see. So Peter is again invited into the garden to see and to learn. And he remains in that spiritual sleep. And it's not until he's face to face with Christ after that third denial and hits rock bottom that his heart awakes. In that moment, when Peter weeps bitterly, his heart is finally awake. He's weeping tears of contrition, his own denial, but he's also weeping at the realization of what Christ is doing. Christ is going to die, and Peter is going to 
have to cope with his best friend's death. He wasn't ready for that, but now he understands and he's going to understand. That's what I have to do to be the rock. And as Jesus tells him after the resurrection, you know, you will follow me predicting the type of death that Peter was going to die. And then Peter eventually does die that kind of death, crucified upside down in Rome. And so, you know, the, the New Year's Eve question is here in our lives. Will you stay awake? Will you stay awake? And my New Year's resolution personally is to stay awake, to be alert, to be open to God in every present moment so that I can come into contact with the meaning of this present moment that God intends for me to receive, with the meaning of this moment for my life, with God's gift in this moment so that I can receive it even if it's surprising, unexpected, or different than I desired, and so that I can do the same thing with my neighbor, so I can truly love them and be awake to their, their own inner life and participate as a result in God's love for them. And if we can stay awake, if we can stay awake until midnight, until the dawning of a new era of history, the second coming, right? The beginning when the morning star rises in the east, We need to be awake. When those times come, we want to be awake. We want to have our hearts open so that we're prepared to go with Christ, prepared to cooperate with his work, prepared to be completely and utterly transformed, and prepared to love our neighbor in fullness and openness as a result as well. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, this has been the Cast Right Catholic Podcast.